Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Thank you for uh, Jonathan and Gishe and everybody who came up. Thank you for your uh, transparency and your willingness uh, to let us pray for you. Um, we've been going through some of the uh, some of the classic uh, Sunday school stories from the Old Testament in the last couple of weeks. Tonight we'll be looking at David and Goliath. Um, which, uh, as I say every week, is one of my favorites. Um, they're all my favorites, I guess. But, you know, this has really kind of turned out to be more uh, more thematic than I thought at, at first. Um, sometimes, like, I'll kind of go into, like, a series or I'll usually kind of take it month by month and kind of have a, an overarching idea. But uh, this time I was like, we're just going to pick stories in the Old Testament. We're just going to see what, what's in them and, and whatever. Not necessarily with it, see if they would connect from week to week. And But what's happened is that God has just brought out a, kind of a theme. Um, and that theme has been dealing with the heart. We looked at um, Daniel. We looked at Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and, and what happened to them. And just some things about their hearts that we admire, you know, um, that their hearts had it, they had an, an order to them where this, the things of God were, were the most important thing. And, uh, and everything else was secondary to that. Last week we looked at Jonah, um, who was kind of the opposite. I mean, he was extremely self-centered and had some struggles with pride and righteousness, uh, self-righteousness and judgment and, uh, disobedience. I mean, they're, you know, whatever. And so, uh, kind of saw both sides of, of the coin. And so tonight it kind of has a heart aspect to it as well. Um, and, and here's the thing. In 1 Samuel 16, um, kind of what, what had happened, you know, the, the Hebrews were, they were slaves in Egypt and God got them out and, and he had just systematically paved the way and brought them from being uh, a na- nation of slaves and, and he was bringing them to being a, a kingdom. And um, so that we kind of find them kind of uh, in the middle of that process at this point. And, and the whole idea, though, was that God wanted to be their king. And they had all these, all these issues, basically, and they were not satisfied with They didn't want, like, God to be their king. They wanted an actual, like, physical human king as well. And so God had, you know, they were whining a lot and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, God said, all right, give them, give them what they ask for. He was talking to this guy named Samuel. He was like, give them what they ask for. So, um, but God, it's funny because as much as they, they were like, we want a king, we want a king, God still picked th- this king. He just picked the wrong guy on purpose, and the wrong guy's name was Saul. And um, what happens in 16 is when we see God go and show who the, who the right guy is going to be, and his name was David. And so Samuel was the guy who was going to, to find out who God was appointing to be the king, and so Samuel goes to uh, David's family, and they like start bringing out all the all the sons of Jesse, uh, his dad. And um, David was the youngest one. And in verse seven of chapter sixteen, there's this verse. It's just one of those just huge idea verses that we uh, have in the Old Testament. Um, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him." He's talking about like the, the other brothers. This is what he says, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Don't look at the things that man looks at, because man looks at outward stuff that really I'm not concerned about. I'm concerned with what's on the inside. 
And the cool part is, like for the most part, God's the only one that can even see on, on the inside. And so um, he picks David based on his heart. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what is it about David's heart that made him, like, picked out of everybody else in the entire nation? You know, this youngest son who is a shepherd, um, like, what is it about him? Something, it was something about his heart that God just loved and was like, that's the kind of heart I want to lead my people. Well, we don't really see much about him. And the story of David and Goliath is kind of the first glimpse we get as to show us some kind of indications as to why, like, this was the heart that God wanted, okay? So uh, here's, here's kind of the, the setting. And there's a big chapter, and so we don't have time to read all of it. But basically, um, the Israelites and the Philistines were about to fight. And it's kind of like those scenes in, like, Braveheart or Gladiator where there's, like, one group is on, like, on this one hill over here, and there's another group on another hill over here, and there's a big valley in, the, in between them. And they're just kind of having, like, a staring contest, you know. And um, so they're just kind of staring each other down. And so one day, um, this nine-foot-tall giant dude named Goliath walks out, all right? You know at the beginning of Gladiator when, like, the dude comes out, and he's got the guy's, like, he- like the head or whatever, and he throws it, and he's like, or something like that in German, Remember that part? They're all like, oh, whatever. That's what I picture about what happens here. Is you got this whole army. The biggest dude walks out, and he's like as tall as these speakers over here, okay? He like walks out. He's over nine feet tall. His um, armor he's wearing weighs 125 pounds, you know, and, and stuff like that. I mean, he's just this massive guy, a, a champion is what the Bible calls him. He walks out and in front of the Philistine army and yells at the Israelites. This is what he says, verse 8. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All right? So he comes out and makes this big speech, and the Israelites over here, they get all scared. And they're like, what are we going to do? And Saul, you know, the king that they thought they wanted, like, he didn't know what to do either. For 40 days, Goliath walks out in front of his army, big giant, nine-foot-tall giant, and screams the same thing at them, the same challenge for 40 days. All right? Now, David is still a shepherd, all right? But his brothers are fighting in the army. So he's at home, like, kind of tending the sheep and stuff like that, and, and he's kind of back and forth, you know, whatever. And his, his dad sends, his dad's like, all right, they've been fighting for a long time. They're probably hungry. Um, here's some food. Take it to your brothers, and then come back so I can have, like, that peace of mind knowing that my sons are okay is basically what happened. So David loads up uh, with all this food and goes over there, and he gets there, and there's no battle. You know, everybody's just kind of hanging out. He doesn't understand what's going on, so he starts to, to ask a little bit. Now, what had happened was, uh, after 40 days, Saul kind of made this deal, and that was like the, the word on the street. He was like, all right, whoever kills Goliath, if somebody goes in there and fights him and kills him, you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. Um, all this stuff's going to be good. And he, he says, and you'll never pay taxes again. 
uh, which is, he knows right how to get to a man's heart, no taxes. And so um, he's trying to sweeten the pot, trying to lure somebody out there, but nobody will go and do it. All right? So this is, this is kind of where, where things are. And we start to see David's personality, and we start to see his heart show up in his attitude about things. And so I want to pull out basically three, three things that we can, can learn about David's heart. The heart described as being after, after God, you know, a man after God's own heart. Um, and, and just kind of maybe see what, what we can learn from it tonight. All right. Look at verse uh, 26. It says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? All right. We'll pause right there. Here's the, the, the first thing about David. Um, David took his identity seriously. He took his identity seriously. He, he hears what this giant dude is saying, and he is basically mocking and calling out um, the army of, of God, basically. And, and he describes it as defiling them. That's a strong word to use, that he is defiling them. Um, again, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the names, de- defy the armies of the, of the living God? Um, he took his identity seriously. And here's something that we maybe we have to kind of understand. Um, Israel, they were, they, were, uh, they were the covenant community of God. They were, they were his. Out of all the people on the earth, God said, you are mine. And he had taken them on this great progression from being slaves into being, uh, he was building them into, into warriors and he was building them into a nation. And God had placed his name on them and his reputation on them. And so everything they did was a reflection of him. When I say David took his identity seriously, I mean, he was, uh, I mean, he was like, this guy is insulting our army, but he's really insulting our God. And as, one, uh, as a member of God's chosen uh, race, as his chosen people, I'm not going to sit back and let him do this. Because he's basically attacking Yahweh. He's attacking God. And as someone who is a part of, of God's covenant people, I'm not going to just sit back and take that. See, he, he understood kind of two aspects of his identity. He understood his, his individual role, and he understood that there was a corporate role as well. It was about more than just making fun of him and picking a fight. Goliath got personal. He brought Saul into it, yeah, but then he brought God into it. And so we see this heart that takes his identity seriously, and I, I look at my own life, and I have to think, like, how seriously, how, like, really, honestly, how seriously do I take the fact that I am a follower of Christ? That according to Scripture, I've been adopted into his family, that I am a son of the king, that my name has been changed, that he's removed my heart of stone and given me a heart of flesh, that his spirit dwells in me, that when he looks at me, he sees me as being his 
See, David took his identity as a part of that covenant community, community very seriously. And I have to look at my own life, and I think my seriousness kind of fluctuates a little bit, you know. Corporately, I can see that fluctuation because, I mean, yeah, there, there are times when um, I haven't been very loyal to the bride of Christ, you know. I've taken my my uh, share of shots at her. There are just times when that identity that is mine is a part of this covenant community, the Ring Community Church and the Capital C Church worldwide. It's just not something that I really take seriously. Every every year that I was in school at LSU, and they still do it, there's this church that shows up and they yell at everybody. And uh, they come out there and they have their, like, signs they wear. And it's just, it's basically, you know, everybody that walks by, they find some reason that that person's going to hell and all this kind of stuff. And they're just screaming and all this kind of stuff. And it's funny because I think that was maybe the first time in my life when my identity and my like my good kind of pride as a christian really like showed up because i was so angry and not i wasn't angry like they were like yelling at me so i was yelling back i'm like you guys are misrepresenting jesus and you're misrepresenting the church on a campus that really really needs to see an accurate picture of jesus and an accurate picture of his bride you guys are out here and you're completely screwing all that up and it just made me just so mad I think that was the first time in my whole life where I was like, I'm proud of who I, of who I am in Christ. That was the first time that, that kind of like David, like my own like sense of identity just like came out. And I was like, wait a minute. And it was like a, a great wake-up call, even though it took something horrible to do that. It's about taking that identity seriously. That's a reflection of, of our hearts. But you know, in a in, in like a personal way, we think about the fact that because of our new identity in Christ, um, like when when we like when we struggle with sin, what that is is that's us acting in a way that's contrary to who we really are, and we talked about this before and. And, and, but it's just something I like. The more I talk about it, the more I think I little, start to get it little by little by little. But the, you know, the difference between saying uh, I'm so selfish and saying I've acted so selfishly, you know, the acknowledgement of like it's not who I really am. That's contrary to who I really am. And it's like when my when I would mess up when I was growing up, my parents they would be upset with me for what I did, but they'd be even more upset with me when it was stuff that was just completely just not me, you know? My parents were like, you're, you're acting like a jerk. And the thing is, you're not a jerk. <laughs> and they would get more mad at me acting like something that was contrary to who I really am than, than the, the actual thing I did most of the time. Here's the, here's the thing, when it comes to taking our identity seriously, I mean, how often does does sin make us, like, angry because of that? Like, yeah, I mean, we, a lot of times like, we, we feel guilty and all this kind of stuff, whatever. But I'm talking about how many times does it just like be like, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of acting like somebody else's kid 
when I'm really God's kid, you know? I'm sick of that. I'm like I'm sick of my identity um, in Christ not like breaking through into my actions and stuff. And see, when we look at it from that from that angle, and we start to take our identity seriously, what happens is it changes the way that we we pray about those struggles that we have, and it changes the our desire for accountability in those things. It changes our entire pursuit of those things that, that tangle us up so much. We're like, you know what? I'm, I'm stuck in this, and it is not who I am, and I'm sick of it. And I'm ready to take my identity seriously because Jesus died so I could be freed from this stuff. And we see that in David's heart, that he took his identity as a Hebrew seriously. And there's some stuff we can learn from that. And we have to kind of look at our own lives and see where these different things show up and see what, what God has for us in that. Um, let's keep going. The second thing, look at verse 32. So David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, go, and the Lord be with you. The second thing we see is that David built his life on God's faithfulness. He built his life on God's faithfulness. He looks back on his life and he's like all right god got me out of this situation god got me out of this situation i mean this is really no different why would that be any different at all he saw the consistency of god in his own life and the consistency of god uh, i would assume in the in the history of his people and that gave him confidence in god and that's what led to his actions And the lessons there are are obvious, you know. We talk about it a lot, looking back on your life and all the things that he's done and all the reasons that situation by situation God is consistently building our trust and giving us reason after reason after reason after reason to trust him. And I love that Jonathan came up to give that testimony of like I'm a living, breathing example of what God can do. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, one of the things I love about them, I, I think I'm like somewhere, I'm like a Hebrew down in my lineage somewhere, um, because they would like, they were real sentimental about stuff. If God did something real big, they would like find the rock, you know, and they would build a sacrifice on it and all this kind of stuff, and then they would name the rock something. So that, and the whole point was so that like when their kids, were, like they're, they're walking by, they would say, see that rock over there? This is what God did then. They had all these stones of remembrance everywhere that, that they went as testimony of what God had done, but also as a means to just not forget. And I think that, that God, like, very intentionally has done that. That's why, that's why we 
do baptism. That's why we do uh, the Lord's Supper together. It's because like he knows the way he's put us together, we need those physical reminders constantly of what he has done. And here we see David has built his life on that so that when he encounters this situation, I mean, it would be absurd. Like he, I almost get a sense he doesn't even understand why anybody else is afraid, you know? He's like, this is Goliath. I mean, like a bear is much worse. A lion is much worse. We kind of have this tendency, I think, to, to, you know, whatever situation we're facing currently is like the worst thing ever, you know. And God could have done like miracles that, I mean, you could be world famous for miracles based on what God has already done. But it seems like no matter what you're facing currently, it's like the worst thing that you've ever seen. And I don't think that God wants us to live that way. I don't think God ever intended for us to walk around in fear and, and all this kind of stuff. I think that's a, one of the many, many like rewards that, that we have because of what Jesus has done. And we have all these things built up. Wouldn't it be great to get to the point, like, like David, when like we face something and we're like, I mean, trusting him is just like, it's just the obvious thing. It's just what you do. Instead of trusting him being like the eighth thing on our list of if the first seven don't work, I guess I just have to trust the Lord, you know. David built his life on this. It was a part of how he thought. And he's young. And we have like so much of his life history ahead of us, and he's got, I mean, he, he goes through all kinds of ups and downs. I mean, it's just a fascinating life. But what a what a beginning! What a I mean, what an amazing heart! I and mean, that's the kind of heart that I would want to follow. And when I look at that, like I'm like God, I want you to bring me to that point. I want you to bring me to that point that when someone's like, I mean, what are you going to do? I'm going to say, Well, I mean, God did this and this and this. So I mean, duh. <laughs> what else? What else would I do? Building our lives on the faithfulness of God. Last thing, verse 38, and Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on a sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said, because I'm not used to them. (laughs) Or you're scrawny and, uh, yeah. So he took them off, and look at verse 40. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. All right? He's got a staff, and he's got a sling with some rocks. All right? That's the, that's the weaponry of a shepherd. Okay? Wasn't used to armor. He was used to what his trade uh, had, had taught him how to do. Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bare in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He, he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, This is such a great speech. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give... Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Last point. David, David lived for the glory of God. David lived absolutely for the glory of God. There was really nothing, and I'm going to say this carefully, nothing supernatural about the battle between David and Goliath. I mean, it's what shepherds do. A sling was a weapon. That's how he protected his sheep. Accuracy, very important. When a wolf is dragging off one of your sheep, that you can, like, hit him. You talk to shepherds, uh, you don't talk to many of them probably, but uh, shepherds all over the world have, have uh, uh, like talked about, especially connected to the life of David, just how, you know, like, you know, now they have guns and stuff like that. But, I mean, the way a lot of them were raised was learning how to throw sticks and rocks and all this kind of stuff. And I watched this, uh, like one of those Discovery Channel things or whatever when they were trying to, like, find out if some of these things could have really happened. They're like, is it possible to hit a nine-foot-tall dude square in the middle of the head? And they line up, and there's like these two like professional shepherds, and they have these slings. And uh, yeah, like third try, they like just knocked the watermelon off or whatever was on the top of it. See, there was nothing like supernatural about what happened. So David really could have claimed all the credit for it, right? I mean, he could have just—he could have just been like, "I'm awesome. Guess what? I'm the anointed. You need to follow me." He could have said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the best shot you'll ever see." But he didn't do that because that's not—that's not what his heart lived for. He gives this speech to Goliath before he kills him. And the whole speech is all about God's, God's glory. Um, verse 46, the, this day the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. I'll, give, I'll kill everybody. Verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He's all about God getting the credit. When he probably could have definitely turned things on himself. That's not what he lived for. You watch the rest of, uh, of his life. He was just not about getting all the credit for things that were going on. He lived for the glory of God. And I'm so, I'm so challenged by that, you know. Because it seems like at, at every turn there's an opportunity to make yourself look good somehow. 
you know, to take credit for something, to, you know, whatever. And I see this kid who had every reason to use this as a chance for advancement, to gain some status, to show up his brothers. I mean, you know, to, to rub it in the face of Saul, the king. But he wasn't about that. He just wanted God to be glorified. He wanted God to show off through him. And I look at my life and I'm like, how many times is that, is that the desire of my heart? Isaiah 26, 8, at the end of it, it says, Your name and renown are the desire of our souls. Like, wow, how many, like, how many days do I approach life like that? You know? God, I don't care what happens to me today. I don't care if I live or die. I don't care if, if it's the worst day of my life or the best day. It doesn't matter. I just want you to somehow be glorified through me. This day is yours. May people come to know you today, regardless of what happens to me. If that means something bad has to happen to me, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm living for your glory and only your glory. See, I, I can see why when God looked not at the outward appearance like man does, but when God looked at his heart, he was like, this is the heart that I want as my anointed chosen king over my people to represent me and to lead my people, and for the Messiah to come through this bloodline. And so I don't know what I don't know what in this story is is for you. I don't know if it's about taking your identity more seriously. I don't know if it's about take, approaching a circumstance in your life based on God's faithfulness and what He's done. I don't know if it's about just just the fact that God's glory is not even a factor, maybe sometimes in the way that you think. All I know is I know what's for me in here. And God has something for you. And so let's just be responsible with what he's doing. I'm going to pray and we're going to spend a little bit of time. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to go home. Let's just respond in obedience to whatever it is that he's stirring in our hearts tonight. Let's pray together. Father, I um, I know that even though you tell us that you don't look at the outward stuff, that you look at the heart. Now, we spend an awful lot of time working on the outside stuff. God, we want to... Uh, we don't want to work on the outside stuff. We want you to work in our hearts. And you've given us this this beautiful heart that you have designed. And God, so many times we just we act out in ways that are contrary to that. Cuz we know that when it comes down to when everything else is stripped away and we know we're down to who we really are and what our hearts really look like, our hearts do take our identity seriously. Our hearts are built on your faithfulness. Our hearts do just live for your glory, and that's the desire of our souls. That's who we really are. And God, I thank you for David's example. We can see 
some of what our hearts really look like. God, I just ask that you just kind of speak into um, each one of us tonight. Emphasize the things that we need to hear and give us what we need, Father. Help us to not look at the external stuff tonight, but to really dig deep. We love you so much. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.